As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello everybody, my name's Danny Kelly and this is The View from the Lane. Welcome if you're new, welcome back if you're a regular listener. We're very glad to have you along for the ride. We are, of course, the Athletics Tottenham Hotspur podcast. More than that, it's the best Spurs podcast in the world. I've been told twice in recent times by close relatives. On the show today, I'm delighted to say we're joined by the Athletics' Charlie Eccleshare and James Moore as well. James uh, is among many of you listen to our voices. No matter how keen you are on Spurs, will not have seen the game. James didn't see the game because of the way the TV uh, contracts ludicrously um, decided to go up the road and show the game from Preston. Um, so a brief a match report. I'll start, Charlie. I know you saw the game as well. I mean, it was more of the same, really. Spurs put out a mix-and-match team, which in the end had seven definite starters in it there to bring on the big guns to see themselves over the line. They played against a very poor Burnley side, and created more chances than they have been doing, but it still wasn't an avalanche of chances. Romero looked good at the back. He seems to like playing football. That may be knocked out of him in the weeks to come. Who knows? And he certainly doesn't mind looking for a row. What else did you see, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, until the goal, it was pretty dreary, wasn't it? There weren't a huge amount of chances. I mean, yeah, it was more of the same, as you say. I think I talked about uh, my piece from the weekend's game about every game feeling like an arm wrestle at the moment that could go either way and this sort of continued that pattern uh, I think it's 11 games now under Nuno Spurs have played Premier League opposition and they haven't won by more than a goal in any of them all their victories have been by one goal margin this was another one I, mean, I thought they were the better team Burnley didn't really offer it yeah. until Burnley went behind and started launching it they didn't really offer a lot yeah I agree with you on who played well I thought Sanchez also did a good job uh, you know that Wood and Barnes is a bit of an acid test for someone who's looked a little bit flaky physically before Kane I mean I think I was in the minority but I I don't feel like the uh, his season kicking off is too far away just in the sense that he scored against Newcastle against West Ham I know he had a really quiet second half but in the first half he had that good headed effort very he played a pass through to Son that was quite amazing could have been an assist yesterday his pass for the Celso was really really good really well disguised good, yeah. and I just feel if 
one or two of those three incidents I've talked about, the header chance or those two assists goes in, then we're talking about Kane in a slightly different way, and it's like, okay, he's back maybe. So I at least now he's getting in the, he's getting in the areas to score an assist, whereas if we remember the early part of the season, he wasn't even getting anywhere close. So I, I know for Harry Kane, that can seem like not the highest praise, but I, I don't think the goals are too far away. No, and I, I think when I use the word plodding, I don't think he, he appears not to be at full throttle himself in terms of closing down and passing and all the rest of it. But Hoiberg shouting at him is a good, it's a good sign that he... Because I always think that people being shouted at, the person doing the shouting thinks that, they, that the other person will accept the advice. Um, I hope I'm not wrong about that. James, having heard those two match reports, I'm sure you're absolutely Who do heartbroken. You, believe? you missed the game. I'm not heartbroken that I missed the game because I checked Twitter at halftime from Kingstonian 1, Horsham 0. And my timeline was just full of people complaining and going absolutely mad. And I assumed that Spurs must have been losing like 2-3-0 or something. And that there had been goals right at the end of the first half and that, uh, that, that Spurs had completely collapsed. But evidently it was just because it was a dreadful game, which, which I don't find hard to believe, I have to say. Let me ask you then, James, without having seen the game, given what we put Nuno through on Monday, how important was it or is it unimportant in the vast scheme of things um, that uh, Spurs won that game? For Nuno, I mean. For him, it's definitely very important. That would have been a terrible time for, to get knocked out of a cup competition for him and actually for the, for the club and the team as a whole. Now, whatever you might think about the League Cup and, and uh, what, what you two might think about the performance, obviously, I can't really pass judgment. To go through to the quarterfinals of a cup competition you know, in Spurs' position isn't something to be sniffed at. And to get a win as well, to kind of reset and to turn the ship around and be heading slightly uh, a few degrees in the right direction again, I think it's definitely a good thing. It is unfortunate that they're so reliant on that, that key group of players, as we've mentioned before. You know, Kane starting the game, Son having to come on, Lucas having to come on, you know, Romero playing. A lot of players have played minutes again when perhaps you, you might not want that to be the case. But I think it's probably the situation Spurs are in, you're probably happier for them to have played minutes in a win than to not play in a defeat, which is what we got last week. So, <laughs> I, 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 I think it was. A, I think it's an important result in both a sort of sporting sense and a, and a sort of mental sense. And you know, look, if they get a good draw in the quarterfinals, I mean, like you know, last season, uh, who I can't blame you. Semi final, Stoke away, Stoke away. Of course, it was. Yeah, who could forget? Um, <laughs> you know, they, they were a couple of draws away from a from another final defeat. So, look, you should be optimistic. Well, yeah, the fact that Manchester City went out in a penalty well, that's shoot, true. Is it gives, but that, but that, but the same rush of optimism and adrenaline that gives Spurs, I imagine, is through going through the ranks of all the other teams that survived as well. Charlie, again, uh, same question for you, really. Nuno wins a cup tie; it does give him some breathing space, and of course, the draw then leads you to think about matches further down the line. But in truth, and we'll talk about the Manchester United game soon. The problem is that this one will weigh very lightly in the balance if it's another poor performance against United. Yeah, I mean, I think at the moment it is very up and down because all Spurs fans really have to go on at the moment is results. There's nothing more really... like In the games they're losing, Tottenham aren't really showing a great deal. So that, And there's not really been a consistent thread running through Nuno's matches. It's not like, and we've talked about it before, Pochettino's team started fairly slowly as well but at least you could feel like well he's trying to introduce things players are getting used to a new philosophy new way of playing there isn't really that with Nuno it's so it is it does feel quite week to week game to game and until either we get a sense that 
no, there is a philosophy, there's a real style that Nuno's trying to play, or that there just is a run of results that buys him, you know, some time if they went on a, say, a five, six game winning streak or unbeaten run. But I think just the odd win, especially when they play like last night. I mean, as James alludes to, when, you know, nil-nil at half time away at Burnley is, is hardly a disaster, but the reaction was as if it was because fans just want a proper performance and, and they haven't really had that with the exception maybe of City. And 45 minutes against Chelsea, you could argue. Yeah, uh, yeah, you could. That was Where a combination solid. of their... Of the, well, they, they, but they matched Chelsea for effort. Yes, they did, yeah. And while I, while I want to see free-flowing front foot dynamic football, and I thought, yes, there would be a good chance to see the fullbacks bombing on or whatever they were, whatever they, the plan was. Which, to be fair, Royale did for the uh, for the goal. It, that, that, and he, that, and that, he played well. That is perfectly fair. Yeah, that, that, that may be his best performance for Spurs so far. Mm. It was still pretty... There was a lot of... James, there was a lot of people in midfield getting the ball and turning backwards to play it back to for Romero and Sanchez to delightfully square it one to one another again. Now, I know the science. I'm not a fool. I've read all the pieces, some of them 5,000 words long, Charlie, um, <laughs> about, about hanging on to possession in this day and age. But there comes a time where what it looks like is either a lack of ambition or, most shamefully of all, a lack of ability. It can't be ability. The Burnley players are all good players. That's why they're in the Premier League. The Spurs players are all good players. That's why they're in the Premier League and supposedly in one of the better clubs. Um, so lack of ambition, lack of confidence, something was going on there. Well, yeah, I was going to say conf- confidence is the other thing for me in that situation when you see teams play like that because wh- whether or not that's confidence in your own inability or the ability of a guy next to you or perhaps most pertinently in the system you're, you're trying to play, for what, for whatever reason, players feel more comfortable kind of knocking the ball back and forward shortly, short, you know, short sideways passes or whatever, and and just waiting for the obvious opportunity to to, to go forward presents itself, or like the other team to make a mistake, which you know sometimes will work. But as you say, it doesn't feel like an especially Tottenham way of playing against, particularly against a Burnley team who were not, you know, it wasn't like a reserve Burnley team. Was there quite a few of their players that played on the weekend played as well? But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a full strength Burnley team. I don't think we should be kind of looking at that and saying, Let, let's keep it tight, sit back and, and wait for the openings. Here's a fun fact for you. There are eight teams left in the League Cup. One of them isn't Manchester United and one of them isn't Manchester City. And yet Spurs still find themselves sixth favourite for the tournament. That's blowing my mind, genuinely. I, 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 in the time we've been talking, I've checked this because I assumed I just it was checked wrong. it as well. I literally got it on my phone. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, that says a lot, doesn't it, I think? Well, they're behind uh, uh, Chelsea, obviously, Liverpool, obviously, then Arsenal. West Ham and Leicester are uh, b- b- together at 33-5, to in what I, what I can see, with Spurs in a six-team race for this, with all due respect to the other two teams, 9-1 to against them winning the tournament. People have really t- taken this Spursy thing seriously now. You can't even, you're not even allowed to bet on them, are you? I mean, it's <laughs> before the draw has even been made <laughs> yeah. as well. I mean, you know, if they were away to Chelsea in the quarterfinal, I mean, you kind of think, well, fair enough. They could be but... home to Sunderland, couldn't they? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's... Oh, you you're know, outraged. What, 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 you're actually outraged, James. I, no, I'm genuinely really surprised <laughs> by this. I mean, West Ham and Sunderland are obviously like decent side. Uh, sorry, West Ham and Leicester, sorry, uh, are decent sides and both in good form. So, mm-hmm. you know, fair enough to a degree. Arsenal... I mean, I, I'm not sure about that. I'm really not sure about that. I, I, mm, Char- you know. Charlie is trying to remain absolutely neutral here, but his eyebrows are expressing something other. No, I mean, that's a toss of a coin, isn't it? They're two pretty evenly matched. But then, the you know, the thing is, as ludicrous as that sounds, West Ham and Leicester did finish above Spurs 
yeah last season so sort of get i get the logic of that i mean that's presumably all they're really going on rather than thinking specifically how are these teams going to be in the carabao cup my my guess is they're they're, they're doing what we're doing except they don't have to hope for the best i'm hoping for the best but watching these rather sterile Spurs displays. And you can make a case for any of these teams uh, beating them. Um, how seriously, since we've got to the quarterfinal and the perennial problem for everyone else, Manchester City are out, can we just have a quick round, round the table again about how seriously Spurs should be taking this trophy, Charlie? What's the reward? Europa, as well as obviously yeah, winning a trophy. Back in the Conference <laughs> it gets, League. It gets you back in the Conference League. But this famous um, silverware. Yeah, I mean... It depends as well, because if they're continuing to rest players quite extensively for the Conference League, then you'd think you could kind of put those minutes and those effort levels to really going for the Carabao Cup. I don't know. I think they'd have to have a good position alongside, league position alongside yeah, it yeah, yeah. for it to really change how this season is. <laughs> so they don't end up in the Conference League again. Well, yeah, exactly. If you, if you get two Conference League places, can you trade them in for, uh, for Europa <laughs> Cast League? Cast them in yes, like you, you, you go into the qualifiers for the Europa League, yeah. You can trade them in like stamps. Trade them, trade them in, yeah. What do you think, James? I mean, you know, you have to watch this team it, 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 twice a week. I know this is kind of varying slightly close to cliche now, but once you get that close to, to the final... Once you can smell the Twin Towers. Once you can <laughs> smell the Carabao. Um, <laughs> I've never sweet, I have sweet no caramel. idea what that I imagine that is not a pleasant smell. I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you assess it when you see the draw, but I think if they're, if they're playing one of those top sides, I think you have to go full strength in the quarterfinal, I'd say. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, welcome back to The View from the Lane. I'm Danny Kelly. Charlie Eccleshare and James Moore with me as well. Yesterday's squad at Burnley, depending on how dramatic the language is that you want to use, probably signalled the death knell of the careers of two Spurs players, one of whom came through the system, one of whom has been a great success after a very low budget transfer from Milton Keynes, but who both look now that uh, the days in the England squad are long gone, both look like the days in the Spurs squad might be numbered. Let's talk about Deli Alley first, because I know you, Charlie, have written a very short and to-the-point piece um, about the former <laughs> England midfielder for The Athletic this week. And if anybody has got the energy for a 5,000-word piece, this is the one you should read. This is not... This is yeah, a mere fraction of, uh, of that. It's uh, barely a grand. The thing is with Deli, I mean, we we talked about it many times. I, I just think that the most salient thing really is that, you know, Mourinho Deli didn't work out. We knew that. But I think... For a lot of people, that could be blamed on Mourinho, that, you know, he this is what he does with expressive, creative players. He did it with Ndombele earlier on at Spurs. He'd done it with De Bruyne, with Salah, with various others. And you could view it as just, well, 
Mourinho doesn't get deadly. So I remember talking to people at and around the club um, in the summer and saying how much I thought this season was going to be really interesting in that respect because what was going to happen with a new manager? Because if if Deli remained as peripheral, then that is quite alarming. And that is what's happened, really. I mean, Deli played the first six games of of the Premier League season, got hooked to Arsenal, hasn't played since. He's now not even getting in the squad for a Carabao Cup game. It's pretty damning. And you can say that while Nuno is a similar style coach to Mourinho, if you were, you know, a Delhi advocate, so this doesn't prove that he's not as good as he was and with the right manager, with the right setup, he could still get back to those heady days. But I think people holding that position are getting fewer and fewer and it is getting harder to imagine uh, to imagine that. And the, the numbers, are, which I quote in the piece, are pretty staggering of how few goals and assists he gets now compared to those amazing numbers he posted in the first few years of his career. I mean, just to remind people, and uh, excuse me while I I use your research as though it's my own, in 2016, 15-16, he scored 10, assisted 11. In 2016-17, he scored 22 goals and assisted 13 times. I mean, that is world-beating form. The following year, 14 goals, 17 assists. And since then, he has fallen off a cliff, really, to the point where in 2021, as you pointed out, Charlie, three goals and five assists in his games for Spurs. I mean, James, it's a simple question for you, um, which may not have a simple answer. Is he just no good anymore? <laughs> I mean, on the basis of um, on the basis of what we've seen, he hasn't been any good. I mean, I think that's obviously been the problem. You know, when he was in the team at the start of the season, I think we were all saying he kind of looked like Deli Ali with all the personality and the, the fight kind of sucked out of him. He was just a sort of six out of ten, incredibly vanilla midfield player. It wasn't Mourinho's infamous. Is that your brother? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he just he wasn't Deli Ali. It just didn't seem like the player that you remember doing all the flicks and tricks and scoring the incredible goals, and not just at Crystal Palace, but so many others as well. And I do think you know it would be ludicrous to blame it all on Mourinho. That would just be incredibly no. unfair and, and just just completely pointless. He's not going to get you anywhere. And I think the biggest problem that he's had has been that there isn't a need for a player who plays in the role that he was playing in the current Spurs setup or in a setup at any top side now, really. As like a second striker, which is where he was playing in that 16-17 season uh, when he scored all of those goals and got the assist as well. And I can't think of any top side who would play that kind of system now, really. And I, 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 maybe I'm missing something, but I can't think of anyone who really plays it, you know, anything even approaching a sort of a 4-4-2 quite like that. Who Actually, someone did play 4-4-2 last week. Who was that? Arsenal played it against Aston Villa. And Burnley play it, but they oh, yeah, play, not, play with two out-and-out out yeah. target men. The thing is, as well, with those numbers, like it's, the numbers you read for the more recent season... They're, they're even they're fairly deceptive because a lot of those are penalties and from the Europa yes. League. But in his last he's also thirty-four, lot, that's the other thing to factor in. I he guess. has, but in his last thirty-four Premier League games, so that's basically a season's worth. And this goes back to December twenty nineteen. He scored one non-penalty goal, one that was in January twenty twenty, and he's provided two assists. In his first three seasons with Spurs, looking at the Premier League, he averaged twelve non-penalty goals and nine assists. I mean, that is just. A huge, huge drop off. That is a different footballer, isn't it? It's a, it's a, yeah, it's just a different world. And like for you know, I've spoken to a lot of people about Delhi and did so for this piece. You know, over the last few months, you know, because he is such a big conversation topic. You talk to people at Spurs or with an interest in Spurs, it's not long before Delhi comes up because it's a very compelling story. He's a very interesting person. I've written about him a huge amount because he, I think there is a lot there. He's got a very interesting backstory. His rise was so sudden and, and to a large degree unexpected you know he won the young player of the year award in his first two premier league seasons 
and at the end of his third season scored in the World Cup quarterfinal. It's just staggering how good he was yeah. so quickly. And then ended a fourth season, by the way, playing in the Champions League final. Even if he had yeah. a bad game in that final, obviously he uh, set up the goal that got Spurs there. I think the real one of the reasons why Spurs are being so patient, but Spurs fans are also having these conversations, of course, is in the back of your mind, you can't help but think after the World Cup, he was worth probably £100 million to somebody who was looking to buy a really, really brilliant young midfielder. And now one is afraid to sell him to Club X for 20% of that, and he becomes the same player. Though I must say that fear is fading with each game in my mind. Something is not clicking with that person. I don't fear him going to another club now. And I really hate to say that because he was such a brilliant presence in the, in the team a few years ago. There was a word that Tim Sherwood used to describe Deli Alley, and that was devilment, I think, which, which is not a word you hear used too often about a footballer in a positive sense. That, that was the thing that he had that like kind of, you know, and it would get him in trouble sometimes. And we, we saw that on more than one occasion. But it would also be the thing that would sort of give him the motivation to nutmeg someone or, you know, tr- try and beat several players before scoring an amazing goal or whatever. And that seems to be the thing or one of the things certainly that he's, that he's missing now. Just that little bit of like, like the sense that it's him against the world. You know, that, that doesn't quite seem to be there now for whatever reason. He doesn't quite have, it doesn't seem to have quite the same sort of, aggressive hunger that he did before well that's really interesting you say that about the like him against the world because i talk about it in the piece that there is a view that some hold that when he signed that big contract in october 2018 there were two things there one it meant he wasn't going to get a move to real madrid or whatever you know that was done you don't sign a long-term i mean he realized that move hadn't happened in the summer probably wasn't going to happen well then i'm going to lock myself in to spurs and you know you don't sign a contract like that without knowing that's the concept. Well, I mean, unless yeah, 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 yeah. With 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 one exception, with one low low profile exception. <laughs> but also, but secondarily, or perhaps more importantly, there's a feeling that he he had identified himself as that me against the world, the outsider with something to prove. You know, he had come through slightly different route. He wasn't at one of the big academies, and here he was absolutely tearing it up, and he relished that role. Then all of a sudden, you're one of the highest paid players at the, the team and the league. You're very establishment. And just if on some level, the motivation, the hunger, and these are, again, unquantifiable things. And people can say that's nonsense, but it doesn't take much, you know, just a, a little bit. And at the same time, if you think he got injuries, there's also an extent some people think he got found out. Some people also think he hasn't worked hard enough or if not worked hard enough, not improved technical deficiencies he has. He doesn't have a great left foot. His shooting technique is actually quite strange and not always clean. So all of these things put together as a way of trying to explain how you go from those numbers that we were saying to to the ones he's posting now. I have to say there's no sadness about it for me because when he was playing beautifully, you just thought, drink this in, Dan, because you're not going to see a lot of this um, very often in modern football. And he was just so effortlessly brilliant. Harry Winks has never been effortlessly brilliant. Effort has had to be very much part of his game. He too didn't make even the squad for Burnley. I take it this is a more straightforward case, is it, of just being punished for speaking his mind after the game in Holland? Well, he also didn't make the squad for the last round against uh, against Wolves, so... Okay. He's not allowed not... anywhere near <laughs> for, uh, Premier League teams then. That's the rule, is it? <laughs> he's not allowed near the Carabao. He's not allowed near, Do... yeah, he's not allowed Carabao after 6pm uh... or whatever. <laughs> No, I mean, but, but, no Carabao. But for again, um, it, we would be derelicts in our duty without picking at scabs um, if we didn't say, is January coming very quickly for him as well? Will he move off on loan somewhere? Because here's another player who was 
in the England team in living memory. I mean, you know, not not when they were playing with long shorts and everyone was stood up in flat caps. Well, well, we spoke about, you know, spoke about a few weeks ago, a piece I did on Winks and, and the quotes then from Southgate and Pochettino from that 2018 period were glowing. And, you know, not just platitudes. They really were saying how Southgate was talking about him as the future of the team. Pochettino compared him to Xavi and Iniesta. But after the Vitesse game, he spoke to us uh, that were out there and it was really quite moving. I mean, he just looked so upset as he tried to pick apart where it's all gone wrong, really. And on that point of, are you going to move in January? Of course, he didn't say, yeah, I'm, I'm up for a move. But it was pretty clear to him that he is someone who looks like he needs a change. I don't think it was the self-analysis that had got in trouble with the manager, was it? It was the comment about splitting the squad into two teams yeah but I don't think he's the only one I don't think he's the only one who feels that I think even some of those who were left behind I don't think thought that was the smartest decision and and again it's not been wise after the event I tweeted when it happened saying this is quite a big call because it is pretty demotivating both for those players but also for everyone else knowing well I'm pretty much definitely starting on the weekend because you know we hear so often from football expert James that competition for places is apparently along with confidence the critical thing but if you damn well know that you're playing in the first team for the foreseeable future, that goes out the window. Now, maybe that's compensated for by the confidence of knowing you're going to be in the first team. But it, it was a really odd decision. And of course, when it blows up in your face like a cartoon birthday cake and you lose both games, it just looks ridiculous, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. As Charlie says, you know, if this isn't just being wise after the event either, is it? I mean, I think it felt like a bit of a strange, a bit of a strange decision. And, you know, we talked on on Monday about it being like a sudden downturn in form or in the level of performance in the Premier League after two pretty good ones against Newcastle and Aston Villa. And actually, maybe, you know, a degree of complacency, a lack of motivation maybe was a factor in that. Okay, listen, we'll uh, turn our attentions uh, next here on The View from the Lane to the all-important, and for the neutrals, it must be the most delicious uh, (laughs) loser-takes-all game um, between Spurs and Manchester United. You're listening uh, to The View from the Lane where we are wise neither before after or during the event. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we've hidden behind other matters long enough. It is, of course, the game of the weekend. I don't care what anyone says. It's the game of the weekend in Europe. Let's be truthful. Two huge clubs, Tottenham and Manchester United, with managers that the fans, I think, largely don't want. 
and a defeat in this game would give either set of uh, administrators plenty of opportunity if they so required to be showing people the P45 and demanding the keys to the club car back. Am I exaggerating here, Charlie? This is just a monster, this game, isn't it? Yeah, although it's interesting because when I've, I've suggested that about Nuno, I think people who don't follow Spurs as closely as we do have been a bit surprised because, and it is interesting because the big picture, I think you look at the league table and say, but Spurs are sick. Yeah. That's sort of roughly where they should be, isn't it? What's what's the big deal? Why would Nuno get sacked? Given that a manager getting sacked two months into the season, you normally associate with a kind of an, an absolute car crash. So it it is interesting that, but I, but I think it is one of those where if you have watched them every week, you can understand why why that is being talked about um but yes even if it's not necessarily a uh you know he'll be sacked if he loses it's massive in what it would do you know if they were to win that is you know we talked about what would get fans on side beating Burnley 1-0 no but beating United really by any score given how much pain United have inflicted on Spurs over the years would be pretty massive for him the background to this, and James, I'll get your views and say the background to this, Charlie, is Spurs' record against Manchester United, particularly at home, and particularly given Manchester United's away record over the past. This is another reason why people were going about sacking at Solskjaer, and I totally can see why they would. Their away record is astonishing in the past year or so. Mm. They would be league champions if they could win the games at Old Trafford. But Spurs' record against Manchester United, i tell you how I know it's bad, because I can remember the individual winners. I can remember back to Stephen Carr's great goal at White Hart Lane. I can remember Willem Corston getting a goal against Manchester United. He two, I think. Two, in the only game he ever played for Spurs before his hips gave out. The winners have been few and far between, haven't they? Well, it's been... There's a piece coming tomorrow on The Athletic looking at the 20 years yeah <laughs> yeah I, I had to give it a limit and 20 years because it's 20 years and a month since the 5-3 which again is one of those which three up at half time three yeah. up at half time exactly one of those that when Spurs when, when Spurs fans are told they're being paranoid about worrying when their team's 3-0 up in a game they can say well were you there for that fucking 5-3 game yeah um, there was also the 2-0 up lost 5-2 at Old Trafford there was Pedro Mendes yeah there have just been so many weird things but United also encapsulate how Spurs turned the tables on them under Pochettino and, and got a number of good wins. Two 3-0s, two 2-0s at a time where Spurs looked like they were playing a different sport at times. You know, they had Pochettino and this hard-running team against Van Hal and Mourinho's leggy, old, boring sides. And, and obviously we saw that because then United were desperate to have Pochettino as their manager and kept going after Spurs' players. So... They did really flip it, and now I think it's a rivalry that's kind of uh, quite an even keel. These Everyone I speak to about this game can't really pick it, because as you say, it's two teams going in with managers under a huge amount of pressure, and there's there's a reason for that. Do you hide behind the sofa, James, when the United fixture comes around? Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I mean, Charlie's yeah, right. Course, like, yeah. it, the, the balance has shifted <laughs> slightly, but I mean, I, you know, I, no, no one is looking forward to that, are they? I mean, and... The fact that Manchester United manager is under immense pressure only increases the chances of some. I mean, you mentioned Pedro Mendes and the 5 3 and the 5 2 at Old Trafford. But the other one was that one where Gomez kind of chucked the ball out because he thought he had a free kick. Yeah. For that one. Yeah. Uh, and totally mad. kind of started the game quite well in the first 20 minutes or whatever. And he kind of threw, just like, there was like some kind of clash and he thought he had a free kick and threw the ball out. And Nanny just kicked yeah. it into like an empty yeah. goal. I mean, just yeah. absolutely bizarre. I, and that was kind of testament to Spurs' sort of luck and I suppose focus in uh, 
<laughs> in those matches. So no, I would be lying if I said, you know, even if Spurs have been in fantastic form and we're still top of the table when we're playing Manchester United, you know, down in seventh or eighth, having just lost 5-0, I, I wouldn't be especially confident, no. But let's be honest, United are what they are, a ludicrously expensively assembled team of individuals who rely on individual brilliance to get them results and whose defence is absolutely vulnerable. They are totally gettable at, you know? Yeah, and that, that's why it's a bit of a shame that, you know, we talk about the patterns of play and how fast Spurs are moving the ball at the moment. You do worry that they're not going to be in a position to exploit that as readily as uh, as you might hope. Well, I have this theory, James. I think the highly paid manager might be suggesting to them that this is the best chance to play quickly and pass to each other. Don't know, just a thought. <laughs> well, well you, you type so. Let's see. Well, unless of course they, they are, and you know, unless he, the phrase "lost the dressing room" is just too much of a cliche. Even I can't use it. But maybe they're not taking any notice of the fella. Go on, then let's let's do what. Um, there's there's no punishment for being wrong with football predictions. Don't forget, Bayern Munich lost five nil yesterday with their best team out. What's the result going to be, Charlie? Well, I was convinced last week against West Ham would be a draw. And I'm similarly convinced it will be this week just because I think a draw does help both teams sufficiently. Whereas it's one that losing would be so disastrous that I just feel if it's like one all with about an hour to get, with an, about an hour gone, I can't imagine either team really pushing for it and it might just be a bit of a stalemate. So I'm going to go 1-1. The mutual time wasting may start after 20 <laughs> minutes, yeah. Oh, by the way, we, we were talking about this on Football Clichés podcast, whether there's been a gate, could both managers be sacked afterwards? Is there oh. such a scenario? And there is a precedent for that. Oh, apparently, good. apparently in December 2017, and this is so perfect. Uh, Middlesbrough beat Sheffield Wednesday 2-1. Uh, Carlos Calvajal was swiftly sacked by uh, by the Owls before Borough followed suit and also got rid of Gary Monk. It could happen. There is precedent. When I say I can't wait for it, I mean it in the in the, in the proper sense. I wish it wasn't going to happen, but these games keep coming, and you have to have to watch them. We'll see how they get on. Actually. You missed, uh, no, Charlie, you, you rotated out Harry Wink style out of the squad um, <laughs> I was on arrested. Monday. You were arrested, yeah, for, for the important Thursday podcast. Mm. Uh, James and I were pretty straightforward about it, re- replicating some of what we said after the Arsenal defeat, that this fella is just not going to work. And the sooner Spurs put themselves and their fans out of their misery, something I don't think they'll do, of course, because it would make Don Fabio and uh, Levy look like absolute mugs. We were really getting stuck into Nuno again as, as, as the choice of manager. Several comments, actually, on Monday's pod, among the blizzard saying how great it was, saying that perhaps James and, and I were being too harsh on Nuno. You weren't there, so you can't be led in one direction or another. Do you think that people like myself and James saying, "Let's get rid of him now. Let's do the, the let's do the, you know, take him out like a, a dog to a car park and just leave him there"? <laughs> Is that too much? That's what people are suggesting on, on the outer on the outer reaches of Twitter. <laughs> to, to literally do that, um, oh, I listened to it and I can see both sides, and I know I'm always kind of uh, the even-handed one. I can't, you know, I'm not going two-footed on him. In, in the way that you two huh? yeah. reprobates do. Um, Dastards. Yeah. yeah, I can see the logic. That I can see your logic because it's not as if Spurs think he's a long-term solution. They gave him a two-year contract. He was eighth choice or whatever, old ground. But I think it's almost the extent to which they don't realise that. I think they do realise that. But in a way, they they think he'll do a solid job. I mean, what what... I don't think when they brought him in, they were thinking, here we go, it's another Pochettino, it's going to be amazing football, it's a big project. Because if they had, they wouldn't have given him a two-year contract. I think he's seen as a safe pair of hands. And thus far, he has 
broadly bird's eye view been one they're they're sixth in the league which is about par stay there they're in the Europa League he's sort of doing okay take the emotion away I don't think anyone's saying he's leading them in a direction that they're going to be pushing for big titles can they they Uh, afford that as as like as a football club but you know in a kind of business sense in the more cynical way but also in terms of like maximizing this group of players and you're talking about you know We've talked about Kane before loads of times, but obviously he's there this season. Who knows where he'll be next season? Sonny's 29. I think is he 30, I think he turns 30 by the, start, by the start of next season. He's not going to be around forever, whatever happens. You know, you really want to make the most of having elite players like that at the club. Are you happy to kind of sit and twiddle your thumbs for two years with this guy in charge under the illusion that it's not really it's not really going anywhere? You're basically killing a bit of time until someone better turns up and you can actually convince to take the job. I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, I just don't see why... But until there's a better option, what do you do? I mean, do you, th- we knew this. Roll the, the dice. This is clear- yeah, but this is clearly their philosophy. I'm not saying roll I think it, this is roll right. It. <laughs> but but the mystery box. This just is- play the mystery box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, f- and, and I think that's a perfectly valid view. But this is... I'm articulating their view, which was there wasn't a better option in the summer or they would have got him. There was. I mean, there definitely were. There definitely were. I, I'm sorry. I, I know I'm not arguing against you, but there definitely were better options in the summer that they were able to get. Do you not think Ten Hag would have taken the job or Potter? No. Do you not think he didn't take the job if they like? Well, right. I, then what they were the point that they didn't offer him the job. But you. But what you mean? If they'd really gone after yeah. it, they could have. And made it clear he was him. their first choice. I mean, I know that's yeah, a very maybe. good thing, and that obviously isn't what happened with Nuno. He might he might have been their best option by the time they by the time they appointed him manager. Uh, yeah, well, exactly. But now, I mean, I I don't think this is going to be a long term big success. I it's, there's just no evidence to suggest that's the case. But I guess from their point, and I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if he were to go, I, I wouldn't think that was a bad move. I'd, I'd kind of think fair enough if if results continue not to be good. Because assuming there's as much or as little evidence right now that things are going to change, I can see the logic in it. I guess from their point of view. They don't necessarily see a better replacement and they trust that this guy, the floor won't be too low, even if the ceiling isn't that high, and that with him in charge, they'll probably get back into Europe. That that must be their logic or they wouldn't keep him. But also to reassure you, Danny, saying that they wouldn't get rid of him to save face, I've, I've suggested that to a few people and they say, no, if, if Paratici and Levy, if the moment they think that he's actually not going to get them results and that's what happened with Mourinho, they'll get rid of him. They'll have to. I did also make the point that no side has sacked more managers in mid-season yes, in the Premier League yeah. history than, than Spurs have. Um, yeah. So, By the way, this is the time of year that they've sacked managers as well, by the way, end of October, early November. Historically. Well, I, and, and I, last week, I, 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 uh, on Monday, I gave um, both James and uh, Jack the chance to say, what if you were in a darkened room with Nuno, what would you say to him? I didn't say what I'd say myself, and I would just say to him, mate... Listen, football is like high jumping. It has to end in failure being the manager, uh, no matter how good you are at it. So in which case, since you're going to get either get to the end of your contract or you're going to get paid off a chunk of money, um, at least enjoy yourself. Go out and play some bloody football. That would be my, my, my plea to him. Thank you for listening. Thanks to James and Charlie for being here. We're back again next week. Thank you for listening to The View from the Lane. The Athletic.